first time ever to the basketball team. I'm Shell, Tommy and Rain. And Tommy, we've been working on this for a while. Uh, great to be here with you. Finally getting to action. As uh, pretty much invent time travel. No big deal. Yeah, we've been going back uh, back into like the mid 70s. We've been going back into uh, you know stuff like 2004. We've been there. We've mm-hmm. been back to even like uh, what what was it? No, we would did we watch the 96 Bulls? Yeah, we did watch the 96. Yeah, we've we've been all over the 90s. Yeah, yeah, and we and we've been uh, somewhere in the mid 80s sometimes, and mm-hmm. uh, just done a bunch of stuff like a bunch of time traveling. Um, and we're not going to give up our uh, resources, not until you know they give us what they what we need. You know, absolutely. And and today we're kind of kicking off a newer aspect of this, where we're going to really dive deep and take a look at a player. So we're going to put them in the basketball time machine. Today we're talking about Julius Irving and Dr. J. Man, I got to say, I knew he was a stud going into this, but after doing the homework we have on him, I got to say, I have a new respect for how incredible this guy was as a player. Well, if you did, if if you're one of the few people who listened to the Sclusi earlier, the pilot episode, uh, you would know that this this was coming, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going to be talking about Dr. J, and uh, it was very exciting. Uh, we, we spent like a lot of time, at least watching it, at least like five, six full games, and then watching like a bunch of highlights on top of that. Um, and you know, we did actually like coincidentally watch some games of his, like maybe like a couple months ago, just on accident kind of not, not not like that we were planning on doing this then uh but yeah it's very exciting man like i kind of underestimated how really good he was at defense yeah and, uh i always knew he was like the first superstar from like the perimeter like the first guy who really dunked the ball um and he had like not only was like he was very powerful but he was very like uh he had like a lot of finesse to him and it feels like you know even when he got, as he got older, his game became all finesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Honestly, he might be the smoothest player of all time. He's certainly up there. And I didn't realize that. I knew he had a smooth game. Some of the finger roll finishes, some of the insanely creative. He's able to have perfect touch on the glass, the way he's able to kind of glide through the air. Uh, we'll talk about similarities of certain modern players and stuff later on. Uh, But yeah, I completely agree. The guy just has such an incredible feel uh, for scoring. Yeah, man. Like there's, there's, I I know I mentioned this to you before, but there was this one play where the bulls beat the blazers in the 92 finals and in game six and Michael Jordan goes in for a life to basically clinch the game up by two points. And he does this move where he brings the ball towards the backboard and then brings it back towards him and then back towards the hoop to like finish it at the rim. So it was like an kind of like a like one two one motion, mm-hmm. and uh, that's basically what Dr. J did like every game. You know, like Michael Jordan did that a lot, but like Dr. J was just like the master, just like palming the basketball, uh, huge hands, and it's really cool that he had that he had that same impact. Uh, actually, even a bigger impact in the ABA than he did in the NBA. But you know, we'll get yeah, out to that in just a second. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's any doubt that he's the goat of the ABA, and we'll be getting into that pretty quick here. Uh, so basically, 
this guy kind of brought the playground style to professional basketball. He was raising some eyebrows at Rucker Park in the Rucker League. And uh, when he was 21 years old, goes pro. At the time, the ABA could sign underclassmen and stuff. And it had a lot of rules that the NBA didn't have. And so then you take this 21-year-old, 6'7", 210 pounds. And one thing I didn't realize, a 7'2"-inch uh, seven wingspan. Absolutely insane. Uh, to compare that, Giannis is, is seven foot three. If you're watching him like on TV you, and like compared to Giannis, like I, maybe it's recency bias, but you would think that Giannis is way longer. And, you know, you, you'd think that we haven't seen a guy like Giannis before, but, you know, that's not true. He jumped like Dr. J. Stone Cold. Steal by Irving. Does he have time? He's airborne at the buzzer. Kind of a weird situation about how Dr. J went pro. So I, I, I'm going to try to explain this, but it's it's pretty confusing. So bear with me. <laughs> so Dr. J, like I said, goes to the ABA when he's 21 uh, to the Virginia Squires. Now, he played for the New York Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, now, he could have played with Pete Maravich in Atlanta or Big O and Kareem in Milwaukee. And if that were to happen, I mean, we're talking about maybe a Bucks dynasty in the 70s, arguably the biggest three of all time. I mean, can you imagine, like, putting those three on the court together, even just for a few years? Yeah, even just for one season, like, you got Kareem, Dr. J, and Oscar Robertson. I mean, like, theoretically, on paper, that's, like, no flaws. And you're thinking about LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Like, look at those guys. <laughs> yeah, for those real. The, three, the greats of the greats, like... Yeah, the only guy for just about ever until Russell Westbrook came along to, or yeah, literally the only guy other than Westbrook to average a triple level in a season. Uh, in, so those are three guys, too, who like a lot of old heads would say each person has like a case for being the greatest, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And so it, it's just kind of crazy. This guy comes in, and we're already comparing him to Giannis, and one of the big reasons for me is, well, Actually, you know, this guy came in better than Giannis was. Giannis was like a little raw at first. This dude averaged 27 points and 16 rebounds is a rookie with the Squires. Uh, so just absolutely insane to just come in and arguably be the best player in the league, you know. And so uh, and then in 1972, he becomes eligible for the NBA draft. Now, Prior to the draft, he's in a contract dispute, right? And so he signs with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, regardless, the Bucks take him 12th overall. So that's kind of how that all worked out, where a few different teams were fighting for him. So he winds up playing a few preseason games with Pete Maravich and the Hawks, but the world ultimately was deprived of having what would have been probably the flashiest duo of all time. Uh, even if they probably weren't as good as that potential big three. Uh, so basically, in my opinion, Dr. J gets totally screwed and is forced to honor his contract with the Squires. And they wound up trading him to the New York Nets in the common draft where he spends the rest of his ABA career. And that's pretty much where man becomes myth and myth becomes legend. Well, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the Nets because when you're talking about the the New York Nets, people are assuming they're talking, they're like, maybe they're thinking like 
the Nets, like that's an NBA team, but no, like the Nets are an ABA team, yeah. part of the merger. So, like he's he is a new like he's part of that franchise, the Brooklyn Nets, but he's also part of like the Philadelphia 76ers as well. Yeah, man, like uh, he was uh, unbelievable, and I I'm had to some of the comparisons to Dwayne Wade, uh, just in terms of his finishing ability and you know some of his style, just like finishing at the rim, uh, and on defense, man, like. I don't know, man. Sometimes, like, he, he does a lot of help defense, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of reminds me of Kevin Durant a little bit when he was on the Warriors. Moving on, like, with his Nets career, he's, like, he's obviously a legend with the Nets. He won two titles. And then, like, you know, the merger happens after the Nuggets series. Uh, I guess, uh, like, the next season, we're talking about by the, by the next season, 76-77, it's Dr. J's first season in the NBA, and he's going to the Sixers, weirdly, because the Nets had to kind of give him up. They pretty much had to sell him. Yeah, they pretty much just sell them because the Nets are moving into the NBA territory and the New York basketball market, some bullshit reason they had to give him up. And now yeah. Dr. J being all of a sudden now, fast forward now, he's a Sixers legend. And before then, you know, it, it it's just weird. You know, it's just weird circumstance with uh, how his career panned out. And like when we talk about free agency now, now when we go into the future and future generations, Dr. J will be even more of a talking point in this kind of you know sense. Yeah, I, I could see that, especially franchises. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd be coveted for sure. So in his five ABA seasons, wins three scoring titles, three MVPs, two titles. Uh, like you said, the league's merged in 1976. Uh, Irving's contracts got sold to the Sixers, essentially. Uh, Irving adds another championship, another MVP, total 16 All-Star games across the two leagues, currently eighth all-time in combined scoring for pro basketball history. Uh, so obviously he's a legend and we've already gotten into it a little bit, but let's dive in even deeper with comparisons today, similarities we see, uh, whether it is skill, style, uh, influence, what have you. Well, um, you can easily see the influence like with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is very high on Dr. J. Yeah. Uh, and you can easily see that with the way, you know, he, I mean, the way he just glides to the hoop. Another guy, um, I would say LeBron, kind of in the way that, like... Uh, yeah, I definitely see a lot of LeBron. Kinda, yeah, he kind of, like, uses, like, he kind of, like, controls the pace in some ways. Not to the extent that Magic Johnson does, but uh, he's, like, kind of his own man. Like, he, he's he's the man, like, on his team. Uh, I mentioned Durant a little bit on the defensive end, uh, but another guy that... I and think, I like that you said Warriors Durant. Yeah, Warriors defense, you know, the Warriors system defense, and then Durant playing within that system. Because he, uh, he Durant, became like, a better defender with Golden State. Yeah, just blocking all those shots. I mean, he was just, you know, the the way they were positioning him, uh, the way he was playing in the paint. Um, Julius Irving had that, and he's also, you know, he's also very good at stealing, too. Like, he also gets mm-hmm. steal. He's a guy who could, you could, you know, in the modern game, if you really worked on it, you know, if you really grew up in this era or whatever, all, that's another discussion, obviously. But he could get a five-by-five, five, which is oh, rare. Oh, totally. Yeah, he's, he's one of the few guys who can get a five-by-five. Five. And he, he he's not a guy you would really think about getting something like that because we think of him as such a glider. We think of him as the dunker. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and honestly, I want to go off what you said about that five by five thing and kind of work that into the LeBron James comparison because I, I agree. Uh, one of the reasons I was like 
dang, this dude's got a lot of LeBron in him, was watching the 1976 ABA Finals uh, while we're doing some of the research here. Dr. J led both teams in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. In game six, the, nail, the Nets trailed by 22 points. Dr. J goes nuts, and they defeat the Nuggets 112-106. Uh, so in that game, uh, I got it pulled up right here. He had 32 points, four blocks, five steals, five assists, 19 rebounds, and it was 11 of 16 from the free throw line, which kind of goes to the yeah, fact that block away. Yeah, from the five for five. Now he's not a great shooter. LeBron wasn't a great shooter. LeBron became a much better shooter, and that kind of goes to speak for the era. Because if you're looking at Dr. J as a shooter. Kind of putting up more Russell Westbrook type three point numbers, which, uh, you know, hovering around 30%. I think they're both at 29. Uh, yeah, Dr. J's 29 8. I'm not sure off the top of my head where Westbrook stands as we record. The edge for passing clearly goes to LeBron, uh, playmaking, but don't get me wrong, they were running a lot of stuff through Dr. J. And he averaged just under five assists per game, so no slouch as a ball handler. I see a ton of similarities in size, IQ, athleticism, uh, class, honestly, to get a little abstract here. Both these guys are tremendous ambassadors of the game. But ju there's just a lot of will and determination there to put the team on your back in those biggest moments. Uh, and just super, super competitive. I mean, shoot, that's where another guy I'm going to draw in here is Kawhi Leonard. 15 points, 12 rebounds. Oh! Kawhi Leonard with a grown man's move. Oh, yeah. The doctor likes. Hard tonight. That's a great dunk by Kawhi Leonard. The weak side defenders for Philly got occupied with the staggered screen, and Kawhi Leonard gave his Dr. J impression the best that he could do. And one of the reasons I yeah, see a lot of Kawhi Leonard is because he's got the, you know, he's got the claw, which was one of his nicknames. By Kawhi, the claw. And then he averaged on his career uh, two steals, 1.7 blocks. And so this guy is really an elite defender. And I don't think, uh, at least going into this, I didn't really know much about his defense, you know. Sure, I assumed he was like, oh, yeah, he was probably a good defender. I haven't heard anything about him being a bad defender. Can't get it. Ball tips it up. No. Brownfield again. Blocked by Irving. But I didn't realize that he was defensively elite. And one of the reasons I see Kawhi is Kawhi can score from anywhere on the floor. Kawhi's a better shooter than Dr. J was. Kawhi plays in the shooter's era. But either dude can shoot from three or really give you a hard time in the uh, offensive low post there, or playing post defense, or playing on the wing, getting blocks, or getting steals, uh, both not necessarily like the primary playmaker for the team, but I would call them an elite passer. I mean, some of the games we watched, Dr. J, he'd go up, bring a dude with him, and kind of flip it over to somebody, and he'd create that entire situation. So uh, pretty brilliant all-around player. Yeah, if you took, like, you know, like a little bit of Kawhi and a little bit of Giannis together, mm -hmm. uh, it actually is, like, really close. I mean, you could you do kind of get that, like, Julius Irving kind of type, uh, but with a little more grace and elegance. Steel cut off, Duncan. Oh, yeah. oh, 
Doctor on the interception. Dribbles past Herm Gilliam. Keeps it steel, flies the Doctor. How he can stay in the air so long. You know, because Julius Irving was just, uh, a, just a beautiful basketball player to watch. One of the most aesthetically pleasing um, yeah. ever. You know, I know, like, you know, Kyrie Irving right now is probably the most aesthetically pleasing right now in terms of a guy who finishes at the rim. But, yeah, Julius Irving, the other Irving, uh, E. Irving, he uh, is pretty much like unstoppable when he's like going in transition to the rim and also like it was important to know like back then they they like every play like first thing they'd be looking for is play in the post play in the post you know you see that a lot like feeding to the big guys or even feeding to some of the wings who could create from the post and dr j the fact that he was like a good post defender proved to be like the most valuable aspect like of him uh the fact that he can play both ways and he's so good inside both ways yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like the most sensational skill he had was definitely scoring, but like a really good defender. And is I try to consider how he would fit in today's game if he were to play today. I think that a lot of teams would use him as like a billionaire's Andre Iguodala. You know what I mean? But somebody who could play two through four. Uh, somebody who would thrive in small ball rotations. One of the interesting things about the context of when he played was the 70s and 80s were some of the fastest times in basketball. And probably those that were the fastest years pace-wise are probably found in those eras. And so the game's really gotten pretty quick lately. And Dr. J is one of the most insane transition players ever. You know what I mean? You don't want to give that dude a runway because he will take off. Uh, but I could definitely see him, like, imagine if you had kind of that that death lineup that some teams do. The Warriors obviously thrived with it with Iguodala, but he wouldn't miss a beat being plugged into uh, that modern power forward, small ball power forward role, I don't think. And uh, in the positionless age, having the value of a dude who can switch on a pick who can guard pretty much one through five, that's a luxury. Yeah, you, yeah, you mentioned like the, like the fluidity of positions now, positionless basketball, people are saying. Uh, I think like, I think he'd be like just as good now because if people thought that like, sla- like people thought like just because he can't shoot, I mean, look at some of the slashers who are still getting like points. Like Derrick Rose, like post injury, Derrick Rose is still getting like points on anyone, and you know even like other like even like people who like are slashers, they they get to the rim at will, and like mm-hmm. I, Dr. J will, I think he'll develop a nice kick, a drive and kick game. Uh, I think he'd also, I think he would improve on his jump shot. Um, I don't remember what his free throw shooting percentage was. Do you remember? It was like it was like it was pretty average, wasn't it? On like his career, in his career, yeah, seventy uh, seven. 77. So it was also about above average. So like I, I have faith that he, he would uh, be like a, a passable shooter, like you mentioned, like just kind of like that role. And he would get his looks, uh, provided he plays for like you know a decent, uh, competent offense, right? Uh, yeah. We're assuming that he'd be on like a pretty, you know, he'd make a pretty good team. Uh, like imagine him being that third guy, and he'd probably he'd probably be the best of them or the second best of the New York Nets of today. Well, you know what's crazy is, so the ABA obviously has a three-point line. And so yeah. 
they were never taking as many three-point shots. I looked into it, and there was a handful of players who would take more than five a game or something, or around five a game. Yeah, it was Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dr. J, like, he had the green light in his three yeah. seasons with the net across that span. He shot 34% from three, which is, like, actually pretty damn good. You know what I mean? And so if he were to come in today's game and work on that three-point shot, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt that, much like LeBron James, he would eventually become a better shooter. Uh, He was so good at slashing from the perimeter uh, that that was never going to be a primary thing. But in today's game, that's such uh, a coaching point. You know what I mean? We talked about how we're going to do a little bit of 2K analysis here. So the Nets version of dr j is like an 84 i think three-point rating which i was like ah, i don't know but i guess when he, it was shooting like 34 percent, i don't hate it but yeah the dude wasn't a shooter yeah i mean i mean who's to say he won't be at least like a, a as good of a shooter as Kawhi leonard is now you know yeah i mean that would be incredible but hey if Kawhi did it that's a dude with a very similar build and style uh i mean Dr. J does some things better than Kawhi does, that's for sure, especially, like, dunks. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, Kawhi's super smooth and kind of a very modern version of what I think uh, Dr. J looks like. If I had to pick one player, it's probably Kawhi. Yeah, I think I would, too. Just, like, Kawhi, and then it's, it's just a little bit of everyone, you know. Uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, LeBron, a little bit of Zion. You're going to have that song, a little bit of LeBron, all that. Little, you know, a little bit. <laughs> you, you, can, you can even make a song out of that because he does have a little bit of everyone. Little bit of Zion in his game. Yeah. Little bit of Luca, all the fame. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's got that. Little bit of Zion, it'll dunk on your brain. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get into a... a, a, a what was that, Harvey? Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's get in a little bit of 2K. Uh, did you play with them at all? I know I got to try them out a little bit. I didn't, but you know what? I will later. Cool, cool. Well, what I noticed and my advice to anyone who's trying to test him out in 2K, let's say you got him on your my team, you're trying to find a way to be effective with him. Uh Take it easy on the three-point shots. This guy's a transition nightmare. You know what I mean? Uh, Use him like you would a young LeBron James. Not a ton of shooting, but if he's open, take it. You know what I mean? Uh, They probably juice up his ratings a little bit more than they should on shooting, so you can take advantage of that. Uh, But this is a dude who can can be your best player, and, like, you can stack up with – anybody if they got mike will whatever you know what i mean like if if dr j is the best player on your team there you can beat anyone if you know how to use him try to focus on transition create opportunities for other people like i said a lot of that lebron james but never my big thing never underestimate what he can do never think oh he can't score he yeah you know uh watching these there were a few dunks that like I was like, what in the what, you know? But the ones that come to my mind, he had a dunk against Mark Eaton against the Utah Jazz, and that's the all-time leader in blocks per game, seven foot four. And he dunked on him like it was a a children's hoop, you know? (laughs) Uh, Obviously, the dunk on 
Michael Cooper. It's iconic, you know? And then the dunk on Bill Walton in the finals. Whew. That was great. Yeah. I don't know, man. He might he might be the best dunker of all time. Like it's like him and Jordan, Vince Carter, but like he's on a very short list. Like Dominique's up there. He's he's like the pioneer. Yeah, he's the pioneer of that list. Yeah. He's like first the first one to dunk from the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, he averaged 33 and 20 as a rookie in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. yeah. Anyway, we went a little longer than we, we thought we would, but let's start wrapping it up here. What are your final impressions on this first installment of the Basketball Time Machine? Oh, man, I'm, I'm happy we got it to Dr. J. Um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about him, and I'm happy I did. I don't really have a gra- full grasp on what he's like. But, you know, there's always, you know, you can always learn through, you know, YouTube, through reading. You know, I'd love to read books about him. It made me actually want to read books about him. Um, and, uh, yeah, also just like, you know, uh, appreciate him while he's around because he's he's getting older. And uh, he's also, like, not super old. Like, he's kind of, like, I don't think he's even, like, 80 yet. He's probably, I think he's in the 70s. So he's not, like, that old. Uh, so just appreciating the guy while he's around because he goes to a lot of NBA games. He's, he's a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's still a voice in the modern NBA community. Uh, I listened to him talk the other day on an old video from like 2012. He talked about what it means to be a most valuable player. He's like, it doesn't mean being the best leader. It doesn't mean being the best scorer. It means being a lot of things, you know. Uh, I think Dr. J, every time I listened to him talk while we did these few weeks of research on him, I was honestly like, Wow, this guy's wise. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I got a ton of respect for him. Uh, I feel like we're going to learn more about the our personal preferences and hierarchies as we continue to evaluate other players and compare them against modern players. But when I think of my all-time greats list, he just made a giant 41-inch vertical leap. See what I did there? <laughs> In my, you got 41 spots ahead, folks. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he is certainly up there uh, among the all-time greats, a pioneer of modern basketball, you know, to have this slasher, this multi-positional slasher in the 70s. Uh, the world was ready, but they wouldn't see players like him truly until – I mean, it's even hard to, like, obviously there's a lot of Michael Jordan and Dr. J, but uh, Dr. J was bigger, you know? And Dr. J would play power forward better than a guy like Mike, you know? Uh, That positionless plays, you know, three positions guy. Like, that's where the world is today. The guys like Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. I don't want to say Luca because Luca's such a point guard. I don't think Dr. J ever was that. Uh, but shoot, man, he was like 50 years ahead of his time. I guess is my big takeaway that it took the world, it took human evolution so long to catch up to who he was as a player. Because we're starting to see these players now. We're starting to see these athletes now. But at the time, 
I mean, it was probably the most insane thing ever. You know, there wasn't a lot of TV broadcasts. They were like, hey, man, you got to go see this guy on the Virginia Squires. They call him the doctor. And uh, I can only imagine. But it's been a blast. I can't wait to continue. Uh, I think we're going to do Jerry Sloan next. We got our our buddies working on that with a, a few friends. So it should be good. 